Good morning, good afternoon, good night, wherever you are, whatever time it is, welcome to Teacher Tired. So let's talk about that thing that no one really wants to talk about, burnout. Teacher burnout. More specifically, teacher burnout in your first year of teaching. or first couple of years is what I should say. People tell me it's five to 10, but I'm still technically in my first, so we'll stick with first year. How to avoid burnout in your first year of teaching. (sighs) This is a (laughs) topic of them all, let me tell you. I came up with six things in order to avoid burnout in your first year. But before I get into them, I am not going to lie to you. You are going to be overwhelmed. It is going to be stressful. You're going to have times where you just can't take it. I'm not saying that these six things are going to fix that, take all of your problems away, and just make this year wonderful. That is not going to be the case. I am very honest with you, as you guys know, and it's going to be stressful. It's going to be hard, but it's a lot better knowing that going into it than being slapped in the face later with random expectations and random realizations that it's really hard. So these are kind of six things that I use as tools in my toolbox to make sure I don't reach that breaking point. Make sure I don't reach rock bottom of quitting and wanting out and just not wanting to continue anymore. These are the six things that I do and work on really, really hard to make sure I still enjoy my job. Because I love what I do, but this is a career field that is very easy to mess with your head and convince you that you don't love what you do. (laughs) Because it's stressful, and it's hard, and it's overwhelming, and your first year is psychotic (laughs) in many ways. So hear me out. These are the six tools that I use to avoid burnout. And I hold true to them. I work really hard on them and I remind myself of them constantly. I'm constantly working on it. It's an everyday process. It's not just something you hear once. It's something that you work on. So let's start with number one. Number one is realizing you cannot do it all in your first year. You have to realize that there is time. You have to give yourself time to understand how to handle your first year. You're not going to be able to do it all. All of the stuff that you've saved on Pinterest, you might as well look at that as the next 10 years because you're not going to be able to do it all in your first year. Your first year is about the basics. Learning yourself as a teacher, learning the environment that you work in, learning how you communicate with students, and then on top of that, you gotta learn the students and teach them and the parents, depending on what grade you teach. There's so much involved in your first year, you have to realize that you cannot do it all in your first year. Now, I'm not saying not do all of your work. Of course, you have to be able to do all of your work. I mean the beautiful classroom to the organized planner to, um, you know, doing X, Y, and Z project and making all of these games and doing all of that. You cannot do it all in your first year. And I don't want you to go into your first year and think that you can do it all and then plummet and feel very disappointed in yourself when you can't because there just isn't enough time. So realize that your first year is about the basics. You're really, really learning yourself as a teacher. You're learning how you communicate. You're learning the environment you work in. And then you have to learn how to teach the curriculum that 
you know, is there and how to communicate with those specific students. So which changes every year? So it can be, it can be quite challenging, trust me. The second thing I use to avoid burnout is realize you always have something to do. (laughs) Your to-do list will always be there. I promise. There will always be something to do. Teaching is a career in which your list, your to-do list, is never-ending. You have to learn how to prioritize what needs to be done right now versus what can wait till later. And that can be difficult, especially for someone like me. I am someone who likes to sit and knock out my to-do list until the end, until it's finished. Um, and I have a really hard time doing this, but I it's just something I have to remind myself that I need to leave. I need to go home because my to-do list could take me till midnight. Um, and that's when time management skills really kind of pick up for me. So I would recommend keeping a running to-do list, huge emphasis on running, a running to-do list, and rewriting it so that the top of your to-do list is most important. That seems silly, but it's something that I do and it seems to help me a whole lot. I constantly have a running to-do list on my computer. I just use like a little sticky note app on my work computer and I have a to-do list and it's small things like Make sure you send this home with this student or drop this piece of paper off at the office or pick up this from the nurse or, you know, it's small things like that or make this many copies of this and prep for next week and plan out this and do that and turn in this paperwork. And I rewrite it a ton of times to make sure that the top of my list is something that needs to be done right now and the bottom of my list is something that can be done later. Now, you have to remember that this is a running to-do list. This is not just a to-do list. Don't look at this and get stressed out when it's super long because it's always super long. It's always, you're always going to have something to do in teaching. It's never, it's not a type of thing that you just finish your to-do list for the day and then you go home. It's more like you have a to-do list, you go home, you come back and it's still sitting on your desk for stuff to read you do, okay? That's just the name of the game. Um, And unfortunately, you just keep adding to it. Every second of every day, there's constantly stuff to be adding to it. So be cautious of that. Realize that that to-do list is running and it will always be running. And don't stress out over it. You may have 10 things on there. You may have 20 to 100, okay? Don't stress out over it. Just use it as a tool to realize that you are always going to have something to do. So on your prep time, then you can look at that to-do list and think, okay, what needs to be done right now? And okay, I have 10 minutes left in my prep. Maybe I can do the next two items on there. Take your time and organize it in that to-do list, okay? Realize that you will always have something to do. It's not going to end. Your to-do list is not an ending to-do list. That is okay. You just, it's really important to just accept it and not stress out over it. Okay. The third thing to do to avoid burnout is probably my very, very, very utmost favorite tool. And I call this tool, be present where your feet are. Okay. I'm going to say that again. Be present where your feet are. Remember to keep a good balance of your work and your personal life. Now, this is how I do it. 
I use the term or the quote, be present where your feet are very, very literally. If my feet are walk into the door at work, I am going to be present at work. I am going to be a rock star at work, a rock star at being the best educator, the best teammate, the best employee that I possibly can when I walk into that work. If your feet are at school, be a rock star at school. Now, the second my feet leave school and I walk into my home, I am a rock star at home. If that means you are a mom of three kids or a wife or a husband or a dad or a baby mama, I don't care care what you are. You know, for me, I'm a dog mom and I'm a girlfriend. And when I leave work and my feet walk into home, I am a rock star at being a dog mom. I am a rock star at being into my health and fitness. I am a rock star at being a girlfriend. I take that quote very, very literally. I am present where my feet are. So I guess what I'm trying to say is use your feet as a literal representation at where you should put your energy and be true to it. Be true to that quote. Yes, I have to remind myself that quote all the time, especially at a time like this with online learning and can't tell the difference between my kitchen, my teacher's lounge, and my work, but that's different. (laughs) I'm talking in a normal work day. Be present where your feet are. If your feet walk into work, be a rock star and be present in work, okay? But when you walk into home, be present at home. Now, of course, there will always be times and occasions where you have to take a computer home with you and put grades in, you know, on a quarterly occasion and once in a blue moon. That's fine. You're going to have those random days where you just have to take work home. I I get that. It's not going to be 100% black and white. You're going to have some gray space where you need to take something home. You need to work on something at home, okay? And that's okay. I'm, I'm not saying shy away from those moments, but realize that it's just a moment. Don't make that a habit. Don't make it a habit of taking your computer home because you just want to get in your PJs and stay comfy while you grade papers. Next thing you know, you just spent the next four hours grading papers and watching Netflix instead of the workout routine that you promised yourself you were going to do or the new recipe you promised your husband you were going to try to make. Or maybe it was a date night and you just had to cancel. It's starting to dip into your personal life, whether you realize it or not. So be true to where your feet are. I'm going to say this again because I think this this sentence kind of explains it. The quote is, be present where your feet are. And my explanation to that is use your feet as a literal representation as to where to put your energy. Use your feet as a literal representation as where to put your energy. Now, that's just great life advice. Um, That's something I learned, you know, years back in self-development, but it's something I am hugely, hugely passionate about at work because this job can very easily roll over into my real life, into my personal life. It's very easy to take teacher stuff home and plan and 
come up with ideas and sit on Pinterest for hours and hours and hours coming up with new fun things because it's fun. I enjoy it. (laughs) I love my job. I love working on new ideas and passion projects and coming up with new things for my students. It's so fun, but I have to realize that I can't do it all the time. I have to set a time on it or I'm going to lose control of my personal life and it's going to dip into my personal life and I don't necessarily want it to. Okay, I want to be present where my feet are. Okay, number four. The fourth thing I do to truly avoid burnout (laughs) is understand there's a learning curve. Now, I kind of touched on this earlier, but I want you to understand that being a new teacher, what you're getting into. When you're new to a school, no matter how long you've been teaching, okay, so scratch being even a new teacher, no matter how long you've been teaching, if you walk into a new school and you have a new position, there is a huge learning curve, huge learning curve, huge. You have to learn what documents are necessary, who to turn the documents into, where things go, which walking routes work better, which teachers are on time, which are late, which are going to affect your day, how and when you have meetings. Not to mention, you're also learning an entirely new curriculum or a couple of curriculums in my case and learning how to teach them all at the same time. It's very, very, very overwhelming. There's a lot going on at a lot of the time. (laughs) I'm not going to tell you that it isn't overwhelming. I'm not going to lie to you. But I will tell you that if you just breathe and remember that you cannot all have it down in your first year, it's a lot easier to accept being overwhelmed and not let it stress you out. Okay? It's a lot. You are learning a lot in your first year. No matter how many years you've been teaching, right? If you go into a new school, there's a whole new system you have to learn. And that's okay. It's okay to have those stressed out moments but if it's but if you are prepared for those overwhelmed moments and you can breathe and remember you cannot have it together right now it's okay it's going to be okay just realize that there is a learning curve it takes time i am in my first year and while this first year has been wild i am still learning and it is the end of my first year And I will still be learning for year and years and years and years to come. I know it. I I just know it. There's a huge learning curve in this career field. And on top of it, things are changing constantly. Your curriculum is changing. Your students are changing from year to year. It's constantly up, down, left, right, just crazy changing. And you have to be prepared for that, that there's a learning curve at all times. But it's okay. Just breathe. And remember, you cannot have it all together. We are human, okay? The fifth fifth thing that I do to avoid burnout, and this is, I don't know if this one's my favorite or the next one. Uh, I don't know. They're all so good to me, and I do prioritize all of these things every single day. So it's hard to pick my favorite, but this is definitely one of the top ones. Number five is have a solid morning routine, okay? Yes, you may have heard this a million times and maybe you think it's silly and maybe you think it's crazy, but there is science behind it. There are studies that show if you have a repetitive, solid, positive morning routine, your day will 
it will set your day up. It will set your day up in a positive direction and make you the most productive that you need to be, okay? This is important. It seems silly. I know, I know. Trust me. I was there a couple of years ago when I was like, what are you talking about? I have a morning routine. I brush my teeth and put my contacts in and eat breakfast. Like, no, that's not what I mean. I mean that you have to have a system in place to set you up in a positive direction. Okay? It seems crazy, I know, but it's what kept me sane 80% of my first year. I, I guarantee it. I guarantee it. My morning routine is what set me up and kept me sane for at least 80% of my year. Yes, of course, I had my bad days and it didn't really matter what I did in the morning. I just was grumpy, but I'm human. That's normal. But it helped me on my other days. 80% of the time, this is what set me up in the right direction every single day. So let me give you a glimpse of what my morning routine looks like. Sorry, I'm taking a drink of water. It takes a lot out of you when you're talking all the time. So let me tell you about my morning routine. I walk in. I do my normal teacher things. You know, I turn on the lights. I get breakfast ready. I make sure everything is where it needs to be before the kids get there. But then I sit down and I give myself about 15 minutes of my own personal, like, morning work time. You know what's really funny? I just thought of this. Sorry about my ADHD problems. But I just thought of this. There's so much proof and studies behind morning work and why it's important for students. And I've gone to training and training and trainings after this, like why we set our students up with morning work right when they walk in the room because it like turns their brain on essentially. I wonder why we don't really consider this for our teachers. I don't know. That was just random thought. But anyway, so I walk in, I do all of my teacher things. I make sure everything's ready. Then I sit down and I write in my journal. Okay, now I use specific journals in this situation because I'm looking for something specific. So I've used um, Rachel Hollis's Start Today journal in the past. I absolutely love that journal. I think it's fantastic. Um, But I wanted a little bit of a change up. So now I use the I Am journal by the Think and Ink Co. So if you just go and Google Start Today journal by Rachel Hollis or if you Google I Am journal, by Think and Ink. Any journal will really do, but I like the guided journals because it, it sets me up in a in a guide to guide me what to write. Um, because if you take my brain and you put it on a piece of paper, it's just a bunch of gobbledygook, which is still therapeutic and helpful. But in my morning routine, I'm looking for more gratitude and something to set me up in a positive direction, right? And and maybe a list of things that targets what I'm working on that day. So that's kind of what I look for in my mornings, in my morning routine. Uh, but that's just a personal thing. There are tons and tons and tons of gratitude journals out at Target, Barnes & Noble, bookstores, Amazon. Just do your research. Find what works best for you. But I would recommend looking for something gratitude-based, Look for something specific to gratitude, specific to being thankful, specific to task-oriented mindsets. Um, And maybe there's your favorite author and of, you know, of a a self-help genre, right? Like, I love Jay Shetty. I love Rachel Hollis. Um, I'm a big 
John Maxwell fan. You know, he's a little bit old school, but I have all of these self-help and self-development people that I follow in my personal life. Um, And I kind of relate that to my work life and I take it over by doing their journals and doing their practices. But I do realize I can't all do it at once. So I try to pick a couple that I like and work with. So find what works best for you. There's tons out there. Do your research. But anyway, I specifically journal about a few things. Um, One being is I start my day with writing three things that I'm grateful for. I write three things that I am positively grateful for in that moment. It can be as small as a cup of coffee, right? Like, especially teaching kindergarten. Like, come on. I am constantly like, oh, I'm so thankful for this cup of coffee right now. Um, But it can be as big as, you know, my mom is coming into town to see me and I haven't seen her in a couple months. Something like that. It can be huge. It can be small. You can be thankful for your dog, some sort of relationship in your life, right? Or it can be like, I'm thankful for my thank you note from this student or this parent, okay? Then I journal about something that I am, okay? And what I mean by that is if I, well, let me rephrase that. Then I write about something that I am and what I am doing to continue that I am. (laughs) So this is confusing. But if I wrote something like, I am a wonderful educator, Then I write something underneath that on what I'm doing to continue being a wonderful educator, okay? So my sentence may sound something like this. I am a fantastic educator, and today I will accomplish that by breathing before reacting. Bam. I said an I am statement and what I'm doing to continue that I am, okay? So I, it's almost like you're, you're training your brain to say, hey, I'm great. And this is what I'm going to do today to continue to be great, right? I'm giving myself a task to work on. And it's not big. It's not a big task. Also, did you notice it was just one task? I didn't say I'm a fantastic educator, so I'm going to make sure my lesson plans go fantastic and turn in all my paperwork and make sure I'm on time and eat my lunch and drink all my water and do blah, 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 blah. blah. I didn't come up with a whole list. I gave myself one thing to do to work on, and I'm human, right? Maybe I didn't perfect that one thing, but that's okay. It's just something to kind of set up my day and get me going, okay? So that's kind of what my journal routine looks like. I'm very much so in the habit of doing it, so it only takes me about five minutes. Again, find a journal that works for you. Find a writing source that works for you, but make sure it's positive. Don't find a journal that's just allowing you to brain dump all the negative in your life, and that's how you start your day. That's not what I'm looking for here. Start your day in a positive direction by finding a positive journal or gratitude journal, okay? So after I journal, that takes me about five minutes. Then I spend the next 10 minutes reading from a book called Today I Make a Difference, okay? It's called Today I Make a Difference, and it's by Joseph W. Underwood. So Joseph W. Underwood actually took small short stories from all of these teachers and wrote it in a book and put it together in a book. So this isn't necessarily a novel, so to speak, or a whole book or a biography by any means. But what it is, is it's all these little stories about these teachers and their small successes. So they write about how their job or teachings make a small impact in their student's life. Okay. So it can be something like a high school teacher I think there was a story in there, like, it's so funny, I've read this like four times, but I can't always remember the stories. Um, There's a story in there that's like, 
the French teacher, or it was like a specialist teacher, French, let's say, had a student and they were going to drop out. And the teacher was trying to convince him not to drop out. And, you know, she eventually finds out that he did drop out and he just stopped showing up to class. And she got, you know, she got pretty sad and was like, man, I really thought I convinced him not to drop out. And it was just kind of sad. And she ended up retiring, you know, within the next five years. And one day she was at the grocery store and she ran into the student and it was years later. And so, you know, he looked a little bit different and she didn't quite recognize him. And then he said, hi, I'm so-and-so. And do you remember me? You were my French teacher and you tried to convince me not to drop out. And she said, oh, that's right. How are you doing? And he said, you know, I'm fantastic. I dropped out because I ended up getting my girlfriend pregnant and I have a wonderful wife and a wonderful little girl right now. And, you know, she sh- he shows her the picture and he said, you know, the best thing you ever did was convince me to go back to school. And she, she kind of looked at him like, you know, what are you talking about? And he said, you know, you weren't at school when I went back, but I ended up going back and I got my degree. And it's that it's those stories that I like to read to remind myself that what I do matters, right? Like that story, first of all, here's here's what I'm doing with my brain when I'm reading that story. I'm taking 10 minutes to get out of my stress, get out of my anxiety, and read into someone else's world, okay? So that's the first thing I'm doing. I'm taking that 10 minutes to not really focus on me and my craziness in life, but I'm taking that time to kind of like almost distract my brain and remind it in a positive way that what I do matters, okay? I read this book every single morning. Every single morning, I take five to 10 minutes to read this book as a small reminder that what I'm going to do in the next seven to eight hours matters. No matter how small it may be, no matter how big it is, it's a good reminder that I'm making a difference every single day. So I close the book and I, <laughs> I don't know how I've timed this correctly, but I literally close the book and my day begins. And my kids come in and we start the day. And it's such a good way to start my day. I've made a promise to myself that I'm going to be, you know, I'm going to do this X, Y, and Z. This is what I'm grateful for. And then, wow, that teacher did an amazing thing. What I do really matters. So that's how I start my day. That is my morning routine every single day at work. It's different on the weekends because I'm not working and I have a personal life, but I do have a very similar thing that I do on the weekends to kind of keep it cohesive and keep it consistent. So I would highly recommend finding a morning routine, finding something for you to stay positive because it is stressful. And trust me, I am thankful I take those extra 15 minutes every day to do this. It is worth my time. Okay. I promise it's worth yours too. You don't necessarily need to do the same things I do. I was just showing you what I do as an example. Um, and I absolutely love my routine. So it's something I work very hard on and stick to regardless of if I want to or not. <laughs> okay. So number six. Number six is find what fills you up. Gosh, I don't know if this is my favorite. Man, I cannot pick a favorite in this one. So find what fills you up. I cannot stress this enough. 
do the things you love. I want to, <laughs> I want to like, in all caps, <laughs> do the things you love. That's like what I want to yell. So before you go into the school year, write down or remind yourself of the things you love. What are your hobbies? What fills you up and makes you put a smile on your face? Okay, think about the things that you love to do. Think about the hobbies. And the reason I'm saying before school is because the second you start working, it's really easy to forget all your hobbies because you can just work, especially if you love your job. Oh my gosh, I could just work, 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 and work because I love it, but I do realize it's work. (laughs) So think about the things that you love to do. Okay, so I did this activity. Let me, let me, Just for an example, let me tell you the things that I like to do. So here's my list of things. I like to go hiking, go to Target, read, work out, wine nights with my girlfriends or just a dinner night with my girlfriends, a fun date night. I like to go on walks with my dog. I love to travel, whether that's just short, you know, short drive travel or fly travel. I love to eat at new restaurants and try new foods. I love pizza, so trying new pizza places. I love to go to the movies, totally one of my favorite things. Kayaking is high up there. I love kayaking and really enjoying nature, whether that's going to like the local garden or a butterfly show, something along those lines. These are the things that fill me up. These are the things that make me feel whole and make me sane. Okay, I want you to stop and think about the things that feel make you that fill you up. And it can be small things. The things on my list were kind of small, right? Trying new restaurants, going to Target, hello. <laughs> that fills me up because it's one of my favorite hobbies in the whole world, but it's small. Write those things down. Okay. Without them, I wouldn't be able to function. I would not be able to feel whole and be a successful human without those things, without the things that I love to do, right? Without spending time with my friends and my family and going on fun date nights, I would not feel totally myself, okay? We are first and foremost humans before we are teachers. We have to do what makes us happy and full to be the best possible teacher that we can be. Okay, so it's really important to, one, make a list of the things that you like to do, and two, stick to them. Okay, so what I do is I then take that list, and I make sure that my personal calendar has all of those things in the month, all of those things. I make sure that I spend the time being a rock star at work still, but then I also be and being a rock star in my personal life. I make sure that my calendar is filled with those things. Okay, so when I walked in to school on Monday, I am fulfilled. I am ready. I am, you know, my shoes are on. I'm ready to go. I want to be fully fulfilled when I walk into school on Monday so that I can be a rock star for my kids. And if I'm not fully fulfilled, I'm going in on half a bucket. And that's not going to work. I am not going to be an amazing teacher if I am not personally fulfilled. And it's important to know that. You have to fulfill your bucket first, okay? Someone told me that my, I have an instructional coach at my job and her husband works in um, 
I don't know if he's a pilot or works on airplanes or with airplanes, but he said teaching is very much like the oxygen mask. You put yours on first before you put everyone else's on. And that's hard for us because we're caregivers. It's what we do. We take care of everyone else. But it's important to remember you put your oxygen mask on first and then you put theirs on. Because who's going to put their oxygen mask on if you don't have enough oxygen? Okay, I love that analogy because it just puts it, it just puts it into perspective. It's important to fill yourself, fill yourself up first so that you can fill everyone else's bucket when you're at work, all the students, okay? Take the time, make your list, and make sure your calendar has those items in your list, okay? So that is all of the things I do to avoid burnout. <laughs> it is not easy. It is a stressful job. There are times you're going to be overwhelmed and feel stressed and anxious, and I get that. But these are the tools that I would suggest that you use, utilize, and just use to the best of your ability in order to stay sane. So I hope you enjoyed. If you did enjoy this podcast, give it a review, give it a comment, go check me out on Instagram at JoeTreeWartha. Let me know how you like things. Um, I really do appreciate any reviews that I get or any insight so that I can just keep growing this podcast and making sure that Teacher Tired is the best that it possibly can be. So I hope you have a fantastic day, night, whatever time it is that you're listening to this. And yeah, I will see you next time. Oh, 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 o